I like to write my sermons in coffee shops, and some of you know that, and so uh, maybe a Starbucks or um, Strange Brew, a local coffee house here, or something like that. And so the other day, last week, I was writing my sermon in the Starbucks in Barnes & Noble, and if you're watching online, we have one in town here in Greenwood. Anybody ever been there local, the Barnes & Noble? They actually have these things called bookstores. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. You can buy books paperback books in the bookstore. Some of you have never been there before. Um, and so I'm, I'm writing this sermon and, and, and I feel like God is speaking to me and it's going well and then it's time to go home. I got to pick up my son from practice and so I pack up and I, I go out the north exit. And if you've been to the local Barnes and Noble here in town, you know there's a, a street that, that divides the Barnes and Noble from the parking lot. You have to cross over and there's mall traffic there. Anybody with me? And, you, and there's a walkway there that is uh, basically that the pedestrian has the right of way. And there's a sign on each side. And so I got my backpack on, I'm going back to the car, going to get Andrew from practice. And to my right, I see a car. It's kind of, you know, a long way off. And so I'm thinking, you know, the pedestrian gets the right of way. So I start to walk across the street because the car has to stop. And I'm pretty comfortable with cars. And, you know, I grew up in New York City. Cars don't really scare me. So... I walk across, and, and uh, I notice that the car on my right starts to speed up instead of slow down. So, like, I don't want to die, so I kind of speed up a little bit, too, and I get across the street, and uh, the guy actually is coming really fast and comes up behind me. I see the window start to come down, and so I kind of turn to see what he's going to say, and, and he started saying some, some things that you really can't say in church. And actually, the, he started saying some things that I haven't heard said to me personally in like 20 years. And words that start with F and other words, and I'm like, you know, this, this is, this, this is, so I, I did what every spiritual leader in our community would do at that moment in time, every pastor who prays and writes sermons in coffee shops. I looked at him and I said, let's go, bud. <laughs> right now, step out of the car. And, I'm going to come back to that story just a little bit, but if you're a guest with ARC today, my name is Danny, and I am the senior pastor here at the church. Believe it or not, I am. Uh, if you're joining us online, we want to welcome you. I know there's people all across the world joining us. We actually have some folks in Sweden joining us, joining us um, in a little area called Pierstorp. I think I got that right. Petra has got some folks there watching. And it's amazing we've got people all over the world watching in this country and other countries. Can we give it up for our online audience right now? It's exciting. So we're wrapping up a series right now called The Gift, and, and, and what we've been saying in this series is very, very simple, that Christmas is really about the greatest gift that's ever been given to anyone, anywhere, at any time. And I just wanted to give you a little visual here, and, and, and really what we've said is that the, the gift of Christmas is really the gift of light. It's very, very simple, and that might sound confusing to you. You're like, light, how is light a gift? And, and here, here's really... What, what Jesus said, we'll just go back to what he said in John chapter 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Like the baby came into, into the world that first Christmas morning 
as light. That's what Jesus called himself. Sometimes he said, I'm the, I'm the, you know, the living water. I'm the, one time he called himself the bread of life. Another time he said, I'm the door, come, come in. He would use these metaphors to try to help us understand the offer on the table to us. So in this particular moment, he says, I'm the light of the world. If a person should follow me, and it's a big if, not everybody chooses to follow Jesus, But if you should choose to follow me, here's what's going to happen. You will not have to walk in, say it with me, darkness. Jesus is assuming that you and I can see and are aware of the darkness in our own hearts and in the world. And he's simply saying, you don't have to live there anymore in the darkness of fear, in the darkness of worry, in the darkness of frustration and anger, in the darkness of loneliness and depression and anxiety. You don't have to live there anymore because I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, here's here's the deal. You will have the light that leads to, say it with me, life. Not just going to heaven when you die sort of life. That's exciting. Anybody excited for that? (laughs) If you've asked Jesus to be your savior and he's forgiven you of your sins, you will spend eternity in heaven. But Jesus is not talking about the afterlife here. He's talking about life right now in the middle of your situation wherever you are. A rich and satisfying life. A life filled with joy and peace. A life filled with hope. And today we're going to discover a little bit more about this light. It's the light of love. That's what Christmas is really all about. For God so loved the world that he, say it with me, gave his one and only son that whoever trusts in him, puts his faith in him, will have everlasting life. Let me start this way today and, and, and uh, we'll connect back to the opening story here, I promise. Have you noticed and you noticed that most of the pain in the world today is caused by people? I know there's hurricanes and and, and, and tsunamis and, and earthquakes. And I understand that some pain is not caused by people, but most of the pain in our world today is caused by individual people. One person hurting another person. I saw some amazing statistics this last week that in our country in 2016 in America, the FBI reported 17,250 murders. Yeah, it's kind of shocking, just in our country. I also saw another statistic that blew my mind. In 2016, $16 billion was stolen from 15.4 million Americans through identity fraud. Just people stealing people's account numbers and credit cards and 16 billion in one year, just people stealing stuff from people in our country. I saw another one, another statistic that was even darker. Every 98 seconds in our country, someone is sexually abused. And every eight minutes, one of those victims is a child. That's just in our world, and it's just this, we live in a dark world, people hurting people. Now, maybe you've never been sexually abused, or maybe you've never had money stolen out of your account, or maybe someone close to you has never been murdered, and maybe all those things have happened to you, but for certain, even if, even if nothing huge like that has happened to you, certainly you've been hurt by somebody else in this life. You've been overlooked, you've been verbally abused or physically abused, or someone has cussed you out like what happened to me this last week. They say sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. I was wounded in my spirit. This stranger was cussing me out. You might even be here today if you're watching online. (laughs) You hurt my feelings. People hurting people. Dallas Willard wrote this in his book, Renovation of the Heart. It's hard to imagine anyone in this world who's not been deeply wounded 
deeply wounded in his or her relationships to others. It's just par for the course. We get assaulted verbally, physically. You know what an assault is? An, an, an assault is when, when someone does something to you, to you that is not in your best interests. It's not for you. It doesn't bless you. It hurts you. That's what assault is. And another form of assault can be withdrawal, not, not just a physical punch in the face or, or some cutting words or, or some other dark abuse, but when someone just decides to not care, I just don't care about you anymore. And they defriend you on Facebook or they walk out of a relationship or they file for divorce or they don't stop talking to you and they stop taking your text messages and they just, they just totally go cold. That can be a, in fact, that is a form of assault. It's a passive aggressive form. And all of that is dark, and, and, and I don't want to get too down, but I just need to talk about the darkness that we need to become aware of it. Jesus said we don't have to live there. That's, that's not the darkness I want to talk about today. That's the darkness in other people's lives. That's what they do to us. And quite frankly, we don't have control over that darkness. Do you agree, yes or no? Like, I can't control the guy at the mall trying to, you know, get mad at me. Like, that's his life, right? What I can control is, won't you step out of the car, dude? <laughs> That's what I can control, and I didn't do a very good job. <laughs> I want to talk about the darkness in my heart today. I walked away from that experience the other day thinking, what is wrong with me? I'm a pastor. Like, I follow Jesus, right? And here I am, almost getting into a fight. By the way, he drove away because I went, yeah. <laughs> no, I think he was just in a rush. He probably could have beat me up. Anyway, um, I want to talk about us. I want to talk about our responses to the people that hurt us, because that's all we really can control. Here's how it works. Somebody does something to us, and we, we, we feel hurt, we're injured, and that injury, that pain turns into anger and bitterness and resentment, and if, we're not, if we don't deal with it correctly, it turns into this dark thing called hatred. And hatred is just an infection in the soul. It's, it's, it's a total absence of love. In your notes, I wrote, I wrote it this way. A life without love is a life lived in darkness. If we're not careful in our responses to the people who hurt us or wound us, we are the ones that end up living in darkness. What happened to us may be dark. I'm not going to deny that. But I can't control that, neither can you. What I can control is how I respond to what happens to me. If I let that bitterness and anger turn into hatred, I end up walking in darkness. Listen to what John had to say about this in 1 John chapter 2. Anyone who claims to be in the light, in other words, I'm a Christian. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, I follow Jesus. This is, this, this is Christians here claiming, claiming faith in Jesus. If you say that you are in the light, but at the same time you hate a brother or sister, you're still where? Where are you still living? Say it with me. In the darkness, like you're fooling yourself. Because hatred, that's what hatred does to you. It plunges you into the darkness. He, John clarifies what he means in verse 11. Watch this. Anyone who hates a brother or a sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. And then he explains this. They do not know way they, where they are going because they are blinded by the darkness. The darkness has simply covered up their eyes. They don't know where they're going. They don't know how to respond. They make all kinds of mistakes. You make all kinds of mistakes. I make all kinds of mistakes if I have anger and hatred in my heart. You ever been in a situation where you get turned around, you don't know where to go, and you're kind of lost? 
I remember a couple years ago, Jack and I took a trip to Florida with the family. On the way back from Florida, it's a long drive, I think it was like 15, 16, 17 hours. About three hours into the trip, we stopped to get gas and to fuel up. And when we got back on the highway, let's just say about an hour back into the trip, I started to notice some things on the road that looked familiar. So we had driven three hours, and then we went back to Florida for about an hour. (laughs) And when I realized that I had gotten turned around, I was angry, and when you're angry, you're blind. And so what do you do? You start to do stupid things, and what did I do? I blamed my wife, because of course it's her fault, right? Like, I'm the driver, you're the navigator. Like, where, where, where did this go wrong here? You're supposed to tell me what road to take, and now we're an hour back, and it's a, basically a two-hour mistake. It's her fault, right? <laughs> Am I supposed to do it all, drive and navigate? My goodness. <laughs> See, really, anger does make you stupid. It really does. You ever get turned around like that? Basically, here's what John is saying. When when your heart is angry and and there's hatred inside of you, it's like you're blindfolded. And you really cannot see where you're going. And then you start to go through life, and you don't know where the edges are, and you don't know, you don't, and you you can slip and fall, and, and you don't know where you're going. And then you look around in our country and you see that the jails, the prisons are full and there's not enough beds for all the people who are stepping over and breaking the law. We don't know where to put everybody. You turn the news on and you see another person killed another person, another person blew themselves up and killed seven people while they did it. And another per- and, and our whole world is basically a bunch of people living with anger and hatred, making horrible decisions. Why? Because they're blinded by the darkness of hatred. Am I not seeing the situation clearly? Yes or no? Am I missing something? Because that is what I see in our world today, in our homes today. I talk to police officers. I do. I ask them. I say, guys, you live in this community. People call 911. What are they calling about? And here's what they tell me. Domestic violence and theft. People just hurting people. People making horrible decisions in our community, in our homes Why? Because of anger and hatred. And then they lash out and someone calls 911. That's where we live. That's our world. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you that the gift of Christmas, when that baby was born, Christmas is a solution to that sort of darkness in our hearts. Do you agree? Like that, like in your notes, this is where I wrote it. Like the gift of Christmas is the gift of love. Only love, only the light of love can push out the darkness of hatred and bitterness and anger and all of those things. And that's exactly what happened on that Christmas morning. When Mary gave birth to Jesus and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and placed him in the manger and their angels are out in the field, you know, talking to the shepherds. You know what happened that Christmas morning? Love entered the world. And it was designed to push out the darkness of bitterness and anger and hatred that blinds human beings, myself included. Look at verse 9. I actually skipped. Uh, look at verse 10. I, sk- I went from 9 to 11. I skipped verse 10. 1 John chapter 2. Watch this. Anyone who loves their brother or sister truly lives in the, say it with me, the light. Why? Because love pushes out all of that, dar- that garbage. The, ha- the, 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 the discouragement, the hatred, the, the anger inside of a person's life. 
and such that there's nothing inside of them that makes them what? Stumble. They don't trip and fall. They don't lash out. They don't punch people. They don't hurt people. Why? Because the, the, the light of love has clarified the path for them. Say so they, don't, they don't stumble around. They're not in danger of going to prison. They're not breaking the law by hurting people. Does that make sense? The light of love chases away the darkness. You know, Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples, and he wrote a couple of letters, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and I love what he said about this whole deal. He said, above all, top priority, first things first, here's how you relate to other people, love each other deeply with focus, with intensity. Why? Because love covers a few sins. (laughs) How many sins? Yeah, as many as it takes. Why? Because love pushes out the bitterness and the anger and the hatred. And it allows you to treat that person who's wounded you the correct way with love. Now, this is where we get hung up. I know, I know. You're you're like me. You argue with the preacher just in your head. I know you do. You're like, yeah, well, you know, I don't, can't love him. Can't love her. You have no idea what she did to me. You know, you have no idea what he did to me. Yeah, maybe I don't. I know it hurt. And I know love can fix it. And here's why you're getting hung up. Here's why you're arguing with with me in your mind. Because you think love is a feeling. See, Hollywood has told us that, that we fall in love. Nobody falls in love. (laughs) That's high school stuff. That's your cue. Let me write a note. (laughs) We think, our, our society thinks that love is a feeling. I'm here to tell you that true biblical love is much less of a feeling and much more of an action. That's what real love is. Love is, love is not so much a feeling as it is an action. There's a story in the Bible Jesus told. It's famous. It's, it's one of the best stories he ever told. Somebody came to Jesus. He's actually a scholar, a biblical scholar. said, Jesus, okay, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? The guy quotes the law. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, go do those two things. You'll be fine. The guy says, oh, well, you know, who's my neighbor? Because he kind of wanted to justify himself because he wasn't a very loving person. Like, is everybody my neighbor? So Jesus tells the famous story of the good Samaritan. There you go. So you knew, you know a little bit about this. He tells this story. He says, man, there's a guy going down to Jericho one day. Some robbers get him, boom, 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 beat him up, kill, you know, really hurt him, take all this stuff, and they leave him for dead. They really did a number on him. And then all of a sudden, a, a priest walks by, like a guy like me, like a pastor, and he walks by the dude who's almost dead, and he doesn't stop to help him, just walks on by. Probably had to preach a sermon. <laughs> Can't help you, buddy. You got to go to church, Right? And then a Levite walks by, another religious guy, like who served in the temple and all that stuff, and he ignores the guy too. And then a third guy comes along, a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans back in those days, they were hated because they were half Jewish and half something else, and there was a lot of religious tension back then like there is today in our world, unfortunately. Watch what happens. Luke chapter 10. Then a despised Samaritan, Jewish people hated the Samaritans, came alongside And when he saw the man, he felt compassion on him. And watch what he does next. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged up his wounds. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn. Watch what happens. 
When he gets to the inn, he takes care of them. The next day, he hands the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And he continues, if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time when I'm here. I love this story because it shows me and it shows you what love really is. It's not so much a feeling. It's more of an action. In fact, here's how we could sum up what Jesus is teaching here. He says, love is doing what is best for the person in need. That's what love is. Love is doing what's best for the person who has wounded you, for the person who's not wounded you, for the person who's in your life, basically for the person that's within your proximity. Love is doing what is best for them. It's not a feeling. It's an action. In fact, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, this is what John says, same book, chapter 3. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech. Don't just talk about love, but rather love with, say it with me, actions and truth. Like, like do something to help that person. Don't just say, oh, we love orphans or we love people who, you know, this or that. Or, no, actually go out and help them. That is what love really looks like. Imagine a marriage like that where you're not basing your actions on how you feel towards your spouse. Uh-oh, <laughs> did I just talk about your marriage? <laughs> well, I don't feel like he's a jerk, like she's a this or that, and I don't feel like serving, loving, helping him or her. Oh, that's, that's a misunderstanding of what love is. So you go back to that story I told you about when a guy cussed me out last week. I sort of blew it. I did, you know, and what's best for that guy, if you're watching today, wasn't for me to fight him, was it? Some of you are like, yeah, it is. He should have knocked him out. <laughs> what's best, what's be, what would have been best for him would have been to get a different kind of response from me because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that whatever was going on in that guy's life, he's having a rough go of it. Don't you agree? And I'm in this community here to help people who are having a rough go at it. I'm not here to beat people up who are having a rough go at it. <laughs> I've got some friends who could beat people up. I'm not one of them, okay? Like, I'm here to help people. So what would have been better for me to try to just like, wow, what's going on in that guy's life? He's obviously having a rough day. Lord bless you. Service is 9.15, 11.15 on Sunday. <laughs> but instead he got, come on, buddy step out, you know? Why? Because I felt angry. I was hurt. And that's what, that's the response I got. Does that make sense? Love is not a feeling. Love is more of an action. Can you imagine how that would restructure your marriage, your relationships, your home? It would change everything, wouldn't it? Like all of the assault and the withdrawal would go away because you'd committed to do what is best for another person. That's just your posture towards your spouse or whoever it is in your life. That's the light of love. What would that do? The light of love would chase away all assault and all withdrawal. And that's all you really have control over, isn't it? Like, I guarantee you, if that guy would have parked his car and got out of his car, I would have come to my senses. Now, I think I would have come to my senses and say, dude, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, like, threaten you or challenge you to a duel like let's just like hug about it or something can we like tell me what's going on in your day like really you're having a rough day like I think I would have come around do you think anybody 
leave the best in me a little bit. I hope. <laughs> it, see, love restructures the whole world for good. That's the way Dallas Willard said it. Love restructures our like it, it, it pushes out all of the assault and all of the withdrawal in our lives. Imagine that would do, what that would do to your marriage. Like I was telling my kids the other day, we just had a moment around dinner. I said, guys, you know why our house goes the way it goes? And, you know, I, it, you know just, just, it's not a perfect house by any means. And, and people get on each other's nerves. And there definitely are spouts and, you know, tension and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. We're a normal family. But we always lean towards, okay, forgive. Okay, let it go. Okay, you need, don't say that. Like, that's not kind. Like, nobody raises their voice. Like, we just really try. I said, you want to know why that's the, that is the way it is in our home today? It's because of Jesus. It's because of love. I'm sure that gentleman's going to get the, need, the service that he needs. Um, it's because of love. And right now, someone's going to meet his needs, whatever they are right now. And that's, that's why our home goes the way it goes. And See, because love restructures our whole social setting when people are committed to do what is best for others. Now, I wish that, that I could zap that into you. And I told the first service at 9.15, I said, man, I wish I could put love in a little pill like the light of love and bottle it up and sell it to you guys and I'd get rich and that'd be fun and like the pastor drug dealer, wouldn't that be sweet? What does he sell? He's, he's selling love, you know? I wish I could bottle it up. I really do. It, but it's not how it works. Like just because the baby was born that day doesn't mean we automatically get the light of love. Like it doesn't work that way. So the question today is, how do we get it? How do we get this love infused into us? And I just want to offer you two, I want to offer you two thoughts as we wrap up. Number one, we have to fully understand what God has done for us. So we have to fully understand how God has treated us. And then we will have the path to run on. See, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, this is what John tells us. This is love. Like, if you want to know what love looks like, it's not that we loved God, but that he loved us and and did something for us. And what he did was he sent his one and only son into this world to be a sacrifice to take away our sins. Like that's what you and I needed most. We needed our sins to be washed away. And that's exactly what God did for us. He met our need. He didn't just say, oh, look at my, the people I created. I feel so warm and fuzzy about them. <laughs> nope. He said, what is it that they need? They need their sins washed away. Jesus, go on down there. Born of a virgin. Lived 33 years. Eventually spread out his arms and died on a cross. And saved us from our sins. Now, in light of that, look what John says in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Like the only way I can love my spouse and the people in my life well is by fully understanding how he first loved me. Oh, so you did everything I needed. <laughs> you met my every need and that's what love looks like. Now, let me go ahead and try to meet every need for the people around me or do my very, very, very best to do that. Jesus saved us from our sins. I love, I love when, when Joseph uh, found out that Mary was pregnant. Some of you know this because you read the scriptures and Joseph was, was engaged to Mary, and, and they were good, about to get married, and then he finds out she's pregnant. 
And then he thinks in his mind, oh my gosh, you know, she's one of those girls. You know what I'm talking about? That run around on their guy or whatever, and she got pregnant. Joseph knows she ain't pregnant by me. (laughs) So he decides he's going to kind of put her away, like cut her off. But that night, an angel comes to Joseph and says, oh, you got it all wrong. She's not one of those girls. She's actually a special one. This baby is from the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the angel said to Joseph. She will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will, say it with me, save his people from their sins. (laughs) Like, he will do exactly what we needed in our lives. That's what love looks like. That's number one, fully understand what God has done for you. And then number two, fully surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. Like as Christ followers, we believe that everything that God has asked us to do, we need help to do it. Like we can't do it in our own strength. We cannot do what is best for other people in our own strength. We need God to help us. We actually need his love to flow through us. How do we get that? We surrender our life to the Holy Spirit every day. Listen to what Galatians 5.22 says. But the fruit of the Spirit or the result of living a life surrendered to the leadership of the Spirit is, say it with me, love. This is not something that you can do by yourself. If you want to have the light of love come into your life, you have to have the Holy Spirit filling you up, empowering you to do what you cannot do by yourself. By the way, that's the definition of grace. Grace is God's strength helping you to do what you cannot do by yourself. And so every day we wake up and we say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to do what I need to do today to lead this family, to lead this church or whatever it is that you have to lead this classroom, to lead this, you know, maybe you're a police officer, maybe you're a lawyer, maybe you're you're a stay-at-home parent, maybe you're a student. I don't know what you are, but every single day you wake up and say, God, I need you to fill me with your strength and your power to do what you've called me to do. And so you have to fully surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. Again, I wish I could put it in a pill. And I wish all you had to do was swallow it with some water. Maybe we could do it during communion. Little bread, little juice, and a pill. <laughs> That'd be sweet. Oh, you can get one and take it. We can't do that. You have to fully understand what God has done to you. Comprehend that he did what was best for you. And then every single day, ask him to fill you with his strength. And the light of love will surely enter your life. And that's how you receive the gift of the light of love. My question to you as we wrap up is, will you open the gift? Like it's there. That's what the baby came into the world to do. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. If you should open the gift, if you should follow me, you will not have to walk in darkness anymore. The light will push out the anger. It will push out the resentment. It will push out the hatred. It will push out the depression. It will push out the loneliness. It'll push out the fear and the anxiety and the angst. And then you will have the light that leads to life. He said it. I didn't. I'm just making the offer that he made to you available. You can step into a life with God right now and experience true life the way it was meant to be lived. I've made my decision. And you all know I'm going to, you all know that I screw it up. I screwed it up the other day in front of Barnes and Noble. But that does not mean that I'm giving up on this path because it is the path of life. And we're going to mess it up. We're going to screw it up. And then we just get right back on it. And that's called grace. You agree with me? Will you open the gift? Will you go down that path? My hope is that you will take up Jesus on that offer. Our band's going to come out now. And I would just love for you to take this question and take the time during this song. You can stay seated during the song. This isn't one of those where you stand and sing with us.
probably haven't heard this song. And I just want you to contemplate the gift. I want you to contemplate whether or not you're going to open the gift during this song. During the, as the band comes out to play. Don't try to get out of here and get to your car and go, go, go. Make a decision. Like, if you don't make a decision, 2018 is going to be the same as 2017. I promise you. Our lives change when we make decisions to change our direction. Make a decision today to say, Jesus, I want the light of hope, the light of joy, the light of peace, and the light of love to flood my soul. Will you come in? Open your soul up to him during this song and make a decision. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for making it so clear. You are the light of the world. If we should choose to follow you, not ourselves, not somebody else, but follow you, we will not have to walk in the darkness. We will not have to stumble and hurt ourselves and hurt others. We can have the light that leads to life. Help us to boldly choose the path of life today. May your light flood our souls and show us how to live this life and find the life that you've created us to live. Abundant, rich, and satisfying life. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
So Dana challenged us uh, with a question. Will we open the gift, the gift of, of light, of love? You know, my favorite part about this gift is that it's free. Nothing that we can do earns it for us. It's a, it's a choice that's before us. Danny pointed us to 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. It says, this is real love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And you know, he said that, that that's an everyday challenge. But for some of us, maybe today is that day, the first day that you accept that challenge, that you accept that gift of love, the sacrifice that, that was made for you, the thing that you needed most in that time is what Jesus brought for us. And so if you're in a place where you're, you've wrestled with that question and you're, you're ready to take that step, that, that first step of trust and putting your confidence in Jesus, we wanna op just offer a time for you to do that. And so I'm, I'm gonna lead a prayer because it really starts with a simple conversation with God. And if you're wrestling for the words, then, then by all means, you can use mine. The words are not magical. It's your heart that does the talking. But I want to provide a time for us, maybe for the first time, to step into that relationship and that trust with Jesus. So if you're ready to do that, I just ask that, that you join me in a moment of prayer. I'll say something like this. Say, say, Jesus, I reach out to you today. I have heard and I, and I trust that, that you came to this earth, that you lived a beautiful and perfect life, that you died upon a cross, and that you rose three days later, proving that your sacrifice was worth it, that you can overcome the sin that, that I've committed against you, against the people in my life. And so, Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for that gift. I open that gift today. I trust you, Jesus. I put my confidence in you to walk this life and to begin seeing the abundant life that you promise. So Jesus, as I step into trust with you today, I ask that you walk alongside me so I can begin a real and wonderful journey with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your gift, for loving me. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Now, if you're in this place today or you're, you're watching us online and you took a bold step today, to finally open up your heart to Jesus. I just wanna celebrate with you. We wanna celebrate with you. So can we celebrate those folks that have made a bold step for Jesus in their life today? What I'm excited about is, is that we as a church wanna partner with you if you've made a choice to trust Jesus today. And we do that not just because it's Christmas time around here, but we wanna put a free gift in your hands. And it's a one year New Testament. 
And very simply, we believe that God has a lot to say about how to live this life, how to live it abundantly the way that we were created to live it. And so we wanna put one of these in your hands and here's how you do it. If you'll take a step and you'll see our folks at the starting point tables, they're in the back corners of our auditorium. We also have a couple tables out in the lobby on your way home. Uh, You can see our folks there. They'll start a conversation with you. They'll put a Bible in your hands. If you're catching us online, there's an easy way you can tell us uh, that you've made a step to trust Jesus today. So we hope that you'll do that as well. Um, We are excited to partner with you on this journey that you've begun today.